Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Like our videos, which is just audio. You can leave comments. You can, you can send in things to us. We, we're interactive. We, we love to, to hook up and, and communicate with the, the fans and listeners. That would be fun. And, and if you do do that, make sure you read the criteria because we're going to talk about judging in MMA. And then I laugh because you said doo-doo. <laughs> Any hooser, sir. We are finally at the end of contested round season. Yeah, and uh, we almost went out with um, a perfect perfect card, but we didn't. Uh so, I mean, two guys are on my list because of that. So, I mean, for goodness sakes, like, we haven't had one. So, it's not like the bar is, is like, low here. But it came it's down to a hard it, thing to do. It came down to the last round in the co-main. And it was a close round. Sort of. More of like a eh, tail two rounds, eh. right? We'll get to that one. We'll get to that one. We've got a lot of, we got a lot of things to kind of parse through. We don't have as much judging chatter on this one. Um, I mean, I've still got some thoughts because I had I had some round scores that were different from what uh, what some of the other judges had. And, and in some cases, I guess I was probably a little outside of the kind of the normal scoring that everybody else would put out there. I'll accept like, hey, you don't see it my way. That's fine. Um, but, you know, I was the only one on MMA decisions with a 50 45 for Leon Edwards over Colby Covington. I watched those rounds again. I think I can defend them, but I, I can especially understand why. 49-46 makes total sense in uh, in Colby. Yeah, I mean, well, that fight was terrible. It was not a good fight. That was a bad... Last night, I, th- I said, and, I mean, I was trying to remember, and I went back and thought, I was like, Scott, this is the worst 170-pound title fight we've ever had. In UFC, I think you meant. Yeah. Uh, because Logan Storley versus Michael Venom Page was an interim welterweight Bellator title fight. Yeah, yeah well, when I said... And say- that was very worse. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I just mean UFC because that, that, sure. that's the world championship, especially at 170. So it's more or less, and you know why it is? It's because it's the lineal championship. I don't even know what that means. You can explain it ten thousand times. I don't have a clue. I'm still, I, you know what? Francis lost it to me. Also, John Jones <laughs> is now the lineal heavyweight champion. I will say this: Francis Ngannou, he has been inactive from mixed martial arts long enough that if we want to just kind of move on from the idea of that, I accept that. That's fine. Yeah, it's John Jones. Um, he ain't fighting either. That's true too. I mean, it's just stupid. Yeah, but but anyway, did you think of anything else? Because I gave you a suggestion about what about worse. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So you you mentioned like... Woodley and Maya. I couldn't really I couldn't really recall it. I mean, I, I remember one of the top Wonder Boy and Woodley fights was was kind of weird right the second one was a bad fight um but the thing is my problem with this is for the first three rounds i don't mind edward's strategy he's piecing him apart he's really chewing up that leg and colby's offering absolutely nothing bafflingly so, so. like he, he has no like will to fight or or desire to and he's like wait what am i supposed Urgency. to be do, am i supposed to do anything here or do i just stand here maybe throw a a leg kick you know with you know 12 percent oomph on it Every once Ooh, in a Leon? while. No, uh, Colby. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, Leon's throwing kicks. Because Col- Col- Leon's hitting him. He's hitting. He's landing some left hands. He's he, he battered the leg. So for that first three rounds, it's good. He bags those three rounds so easy. Mm. And for all, all the bad blood coming into it, you would, there's like, okay, Colby Covington has landed one big shot, like his entire UFC career. And that was against Usman in the first fight. He, he, you're not worried about that. 
He hasn't no. he hasn't subbed somebody in I don't know how many fights. At this point, he's not going to 10-8 you on the ground. You, at worst, you lose two rounds because you get stuck underneath. You still keep your belt. I don't understand why not go for broke there. You're not going to get hurt. It's just, I, I, I didn't like it. I, I thought he played it way too safe. Listen, say, say this for him, though, in that fifth round. He could have very much decided, okay, I stuffed that takedown. I got away. I can disengage and try to strike again because that is the safer spot. But instead, he did try to take the back. He did try to go for that. What was it? Arm bar, triangle kind of thing. It, very, it fell apart very quickly, whatever, whatever it was exactly he really was trying to do. But he's trying to do stuff that's very out of character for him. I don't know that that's entirely fair. That thing, he shouldn't be doing that. No, he should have went and tried to take his head off. Stand back up and try to take your head off. You were you were seething, supposedly, is what every, everyone said. He was so angry after that press conference. And rightfully, but I think everybody rightfully talked so. down from that. They said, listen, you've got to, you have to focus. I think probably what they did was they made, potentially for what you're saying, maybe overcorrected in the they, sense of like, listen, let's be smart here. Yeah, okay, let's be smart here. We bagged the fight. We already won. We can't lose. Let me go take this guy's head off. He went for an, a submission, dude. What? Like it didn't work out, but he took a gamble a, that you wouldn't even think was the smart thing to do, and he still went for it. One. I don't know that you're being fair in that sense. I I am being extremely fair in the sense that he had that was in the final round. He didn't. It, he went for an inverted triangle. Big deal. Stand up and try to kick the guy's head off. Like go for the win here. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't I understand. Think, like here's the thing: it's, uh, everyone's writing this like as some super impressive win. And I, just, I, don't know. I, I don't think it's very impressive. I, I really don't, don't see it as that. Yeah, I don't see it that way either. I'm with you. So, I, I do not see it as impressive. I, I think it's a it's a solid win over reasonable competition who I still didn't think was supposed to be the guy to fight him. I mean, he could have made it. It wasn't an aesthetically impressive victory. It was methodical, and he fought a guy who fought a very strange strategy. But nonetheless, he got the job done very easily and convincingly. It, here's the thing. If he did this against Shavkat Rachmanov, I'd say this is incredibly impressive. Because that sure. guy, that guy is dangerous everywhere. I I hold Charles Cotton so, in a higher regard, skill wise, than I do Colby Covington. If he absolutely. did, if he did this against Bilal Muhammad, I'd say, wow, that that's impressive. That's Same. why. Absolutely. That's why when he did it against Usman the second time, super impressive. Yes, this not very impressive. He should have taken Colby out, especially. I got no, I, I got feel- no, I got no beef in the first three in the first three rounds. He bagged those. He did what he had to do. After that, he should have known Kobe was zero threat to him. I still feel like Colby Covington is skating by, though, in the sense of in the end of the fight, when they're calling what's going on and Joe Rogan in particular, and to a lesser degree, um, Daniel Cormier, they're talking about, you know, this isn't a great image for Leon. This isn't what you want. And they're not wrong in that sense. Like, he doesn't want to be stuck on the bottom. But number one, he already has the win. So, like, as long as he survives, it doesn't really matter. Number two. Colby Covington has one shot to get a victory and they're not sitting there saying, Colby, why aren't you selling out for this? Cause he's not selling out for anything because that, because it became about is, is Leon going to, you know, knock his block off. It's it, but this it, whole fight lead up to this fight has been about Colby Covington. It was sold that way. It was presented was, that way. He made himself the center of it, but now when he's got, Last chance to get anything. Leon Edwards gets to leave here in a, in a minute or two with the belt. No one's doubting that. And Colby's not doing anything to extricate himself or to 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 find a finish because he knows he's going to lose. Like he, he can say what he wants. He knows he didn't win this fight. Because not it, a chance. If this was, he's not doing anything to try and do that. I, I understand, but I think at this point they've already written him off as whatever. You know, this guy didn't want to fight tonight. 
I don't think that's so, fair though. This guy comes out there and he says he's going to take Colby Cup or he's going to take uh, Leon Edwards to the ninth circle of hair. Well, you know who went to the ninth circle? Seventh of hair? circle of hair. Excuse me. What's that? You know who went there? Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he went for the uh, the cornrows look. We'll yeah. get to him later. We 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 actually got to talk about some other things here because obviously Leon Edwards did get the win. He did not call out uh, a middleweight title shot, as far as I heard. Right? He didn't do that. That, that whole thing people were talking about doing. Nor as he should. No, he shouldn't have. And thankfully, I'm I'm glad they didn't do that because number one, that would not have flown after that performance. Not it after would the, not have flown at all. Not after that performance, and not after uh, the brawl that they were. Gonna, oh, we're going to yeah. show you this footage. We're going to show it to you. But I mean, to be fair, would, the idea was he wanted to fight the winner of that. Um, I don't. I didn't want that to happen. I didn't think that was a good idea at all. That he didn't do that, I think, is a good thing. But now it does beg the question, who should be next at 170? Because you've got Dana saying, I don't even want to think about it right now, which is so ridiculous. Like, how have you not thought about what you want to do? Yeah, he said he wants him to fight in England. I mean, fine. Whatever. Uh, Leon's saying he wants to fight as early as April. That's what he's hoping to do. Well, he should be. He should be in April. He should be the co-main to Jim in Islam at 300. (laughs) What I'd ask you, though, is who do you think should be the next challenger? Because basically, we're, we're at this point, there's really only two guys that would make a lick of sense. And then the only guys that you really think of Bilal Muhammad, who has not lost him forever coming off a great, you know, solid performance on short notice last year in Newark. And then you've got Shavkat Rahmanov, who just had a massive uh, impressive victory here on Saturday night as well. So, and he is, he's 18 and 0 with 18 finishes, which is amazing. Um, and the, the fact that he's still doing it now that he's getting up into these higher levels and you can say what you want about wonder boy, he's never been submitted. It just happened now. So, very impressive, I think. Um, who would you put? What if, say if, one of those two? If it's not Bilal Muhammad, he should sue the UFC. No, he should sue sure. everybody. He should show <laughs> up. He should show up to Rachmanov Edwards and pull the plug in the arena and and, <laughs> and and black everything out. Because if he doesn't get it, it's it's at this point, it's just it's just insanity. It would be nuts to. I mean, he should have got it. He should have been the shot this time. I I don't care about Colby. You know, he he definitely. He jumped the line 100%. It, it didn't make any sense to me to do that other than a promotional standpoint. And I don't know that we needed to go through this fight week where we're, you know, mocking dead dads and things like that. That was disgusting. Um. So now I think, yes, I think you're right. I think it has to 100% be Bella Muhammad next time. And the fact that they're not committing to it to me is so stupid because Dana knew from the moment that Usman lost to to Leon Edwards in that trilogy fight. He knew Colby Covington was next, without a doubt. Now we don't know. No, we, we know. We know. It's just dumb. I don't I don't I'm, the only the only reason I can think that would actually make a little bit of sense in the sense of like, hey, we're trying to hold off this information is that maybe they're going to hold it off for UFC 300 and they want to launch all the UFC 300 stuff at one time. Well, that's what he said. He said if you guys were excited about the the fights that for this coming few pay-per-views 300 is going to blow your mind yeah but that's just promotion. So, it is just, promotion but it could include this it could and, and, and that's what i'm saying if, if that's what they're doing if they're just holding off to say yes we're doing Bilal muhammad at 300 and we're going to tell you guys later all right fine i guess i get it you know but other than that it's like how do you not freaking know how do you not freaking know not a chance so better be three um, title fights on that one maybe four it should be four Every fight, every main car fight, five rounds. They should debut. They should throw. They should just like throw another one on there. They should debut the uh, the women's atom weight title just just to have another title. Yeah, they should. That'd be fun. I, I think that'd be cool. They won't. I'm I'm just making stuff up out of nowhere. They're not gonna do that. But that'd be cool if they did. Um, 
Colby go. I want to go back to Colby. What the heck happened in those first two rounds? That's what I really want to figure out. Uh, well, I think it's ring rust, and, and and I think he, I think it's right in that. You, this is why I I think you should fight all the time. The more you fight, the less j- chance of crazy things happen like this, where you just forget how to fight. You don't, Scott. You don't go into a, a uh, you don't do your job for eighteen months. Then you show up and you put on a performance like that. It's like, well, why'd you bother coming back? Should just stayed. Well, he got paid. He, he made like, lots of like, money. Like not everyone is John Jones, where they can just sit on the bench for five years, come back, and be still as dominant. True. Like I don't care what Dominic Cruz says either. It just, ring rust is real. And I think that's what happened. He froze in there. He didn't know how to how to deal with uh, Leon. And that was it. What it really comes down to, too, is like ever since he lost to Kamaru Usman the first time, and up to this point, he'd been fighting very consistently over the course of the you know, first few years of his career in the UFC, right? He's only fought four times. Four times. He's just, he's not fighting at all. Like, it's not just this break. It's the entirety of the break. Just, Everything is different now about him. He, the, the the rate at which he fights, the gym where he fights, the fighters he trains with, he does not seem to be improving in any meaningful well, that, way. Well, that could be too. I mean, him. burning all these bridges, that doesn't help. I think that's a bigger part of it, to so, be perfectly honest. I think that's a, a giant part of this whole thing. Because now it's like, well, what do you do with him? Let's try something different. Let's fight a little conservatively. Because like, even, even if he hasn't been training, like there's just one pace he knows, right? Just go out and do it. Like, freaking wing it. And he probably goes out there and he's still throwing way more punches. But I can only think maybe he was a little more conservative because he is worried about the the shot that's going to come back at him. Maybe he does have a lot of respect for what Leon can do. And he doesn't really know what to do. That's Yeah, that's it. He's he's He didn't know what to do. But definitely, definitely some ring rust, I think. And then definitely some, yeah, I think he probably needs better coaching and better training partners that he probably can't get anymore. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it, it's definitely a lot of the sides. I, I, I like your thoughts on that, though. Um, do you think he's done as a title challenger? I mean, geez, unless he goes on a run, like he fights like every two months for the next three years with finishes, maybe you, you, you really think it's like, cause and, and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not necessarily disagreeing. What I'm saying is if he continues to be, you know, the squeaky wheel making all this noise and do this thing when he's got fights and that kind of thing and driving people to talk or, you know, be pay attention to him. Right. You don't think he can potentially skip the line again? Doubtful. I think you're right. I do, and I don't. I also don't think he's if because he's going to actually have to fight some real people now. He's not going uh, coming off of this fight where he did not look impressive. I don't think he's going to get the free passes of of picking and choosing easy fights and that kind of thing, or not, not necessarily easy fights, but let's say friendly stylistic uh, matchups, or let's say even age matchups. Because we did say wanted Wonder Boy or him Hospital. Both, you know, much older when he's fighting them. They were he basically retired both of them. Yeah. Well, and now he wants Wonder Boy, you said. So Yeah. yeah he said Shopcat doesn't make sense for him, which I also agree, but also in some ways it does make sense. Um, because he's the guy losing a title fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I should fight this guy who's forty years old coming off of a loss. Like, what? Well, you know what it make it makes it I mean they said Shopcat tore something in his leg or ankle. So he probably wouldn't even be ready for April depending on what kind of you know injury it actually is. I guess we'd have to see that, yeah. So he might not even be missing out. He, he's probably just next. It's possible. Depends when he wants to come back. Colby did say he wants to come back and fight. He'd like to fight again soon. I mean, you know, he can say what he wants. He says a lot of things. He, he says a mean. ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, And I like it when I don't hear those things. So, you know, that I won't miss that. He can go away for a while. Um, As far as Rachman, Rachmanov goes, um, do you think... Because I don't know if he's going to get to, you know, I, I talked to him a year and a half ago and he said, I'll be welterweight champion 
in two years. I don't know if that he's going to get there by June, this coming June, um, like when we were talking about it, but maybe by the end of the year. What do you think? Could he be the welterweight champion by this time next year? He's going to have a shot at it, so it's definitely possible. Uh, if it, you were a betting man, injury. and I know you are a betting man, but let's say in this case, you are a betting man for this one. You've got to bet one way or the other. Will he be the champion by the end of 2024? Yeah, I say I yes. I think you're right. I actually think you're right, too. He is a buzzsaw. It's a good word Absolute for buzzsaw. That's a good word. It just word goes for forward. And what's crazy about him, too, Until is like... you're dead. He's so meticulous, too. Like, he, you watching him against Wonderboy, and he's very patient in what he's doing because he knows he's going to get it. He's just very slowly kind of working his way there, and all of a sudden, he's pummeling uh, the face of Wonderboy. And all of a sudden, in the next round, he's just very... You know, he's just working to the positions and working the positions. And all of a sudden, he's got Wonder Boy in, in a spot where it's like, well, I'm either going to get grounded powder or I'm going to get choked. And then he ends up getting choked in a different way. Yeah. You know what was actually real quick on that fight is what I thought was funny was like, oh, they're like, oh, uh, who won that round? Round one. I'm like, what? You mean who won that round? Shavkat won that round. Easy. Did I think Shavkat won that round. I, I kind of can see what they're talking about because there really wasn't a ton of action. Did we forget the smashing punches against the uh, cage? Yeah. Did yeah, we forget I, all about I, I that? I favor that heavily. Like, uh, but I did. I put it out there. I, I think I had said something to the effect of like, I can see the counter argument, and I do. It's not a great one, but I do see it. Yeah, it's, I, I feel the, you know, they just forgot, you know, what happened. It did feel that. And I mean, look, who are the two most likely commentators to forget what happened in the middle of the fight? Yeah, the ones who were calling the action, and I don't mean John Anik. Not John Anik, but I mean Goldie Wood too. From our tale of a date. Uh, <laughs> probably just blew out the uh the eardrums of our listeners um yeah I, I think i'm with you man i think i think by the end of next year we're talking about uh the champion shop got rockmanov and we're really just looking to say okay who, who's gonna stop this guy I, uh, I i i really was hoping that hamza would would stay at 70 just for this matchup that would have been a fun matchup uh, what can you do no, no, I get it. And Rachmanov, he really looks like a welterweight. Like, he doesn't look like someone who's like, man, he ought to go up to middleweight. Mm-hmm. He looks like a perfectly good size, but not too big welterweight. Mm-hmm. This is where he should be. Kind of like, I, I always felt Khabib, a lot of people thought Khabib was sandbagging down at 155. I thought Khabib looked like somebody who should be like, he was a large 55, would have been better off if he had a 65. He, I don't think he was ever a 7. So I, I liked mm-hmm. him down there, and I like Shavkat down here as well at 170. Yeah, I got no. So I'm, I'm curious to see what will happen to that. That's obviously the welterweight picture, but the other title fight, of course, was uh, Alexandre Pantoja went out there, got the win, um, clear win, no question about it. I, I thought there was an argument for round three going to Royval. As did I. I scored I scored round three, but I think it, it might have just been. I didn't rewatch it, but I kind of get this sense of maybe it was just me hopeful for a closer fight than, than what it you know turned out to be. I ended up rewatching it, so. too. I had, I had just enough time to watch it again, too. Um, I I think you can really go either way with it. it it's a perfectly fine score to yeah. not go that way. But, yeah, I... I I ended up giving that one to Royval. It doesn't really matter. You can't give enough rounds to Brandon Royval to give him the victory. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Matt doesn't work. Um, Pantoja, though, that I don't know how you feel about Pantoja. He's obviously talented. There's no question about that. But, like, he's a little frustrating to me to watch because he just fights in bursts, right? Like, there's there's moments where, like, you're like, oh, man, this guy's like, he could take over. Mm-hmm. And then he's just very patient and just like, he, or, or and t- patient sometimes includes resting. Um, yeah. 
And it, it's, it's, fr- he reminds me in some ways of like, let's say like not a knockout threat like Tyron Woodley, but kind of a same fighter as Tyron Woodley, who like when he would fight, he was really good, but there would be a lot of times he just needed a break. Just had to chill. He had to chill. He couldn't, he couldn't do five rounds consistent the whole time. Mm-hmm. You could go five rounds. He'd still beat you in a five round fight, but you knew there were opportunities to take advantage of him. Yeah. He seemed, he seems vulnerable to me. Alessandro Pantoja. So I, I kind of worded this in our in our little outline a little differently than I'm going to ask you. But out of the five men who have been the undisputed UFC well, uh, flyweight champion, him, Mighty Mouse, Triple C, Figgy, and the Assassin Baby, who I've decided in my head I'm going to nickname him the Minifig, Minifig. Brandon Moreno. Okay. It's a Lego term. He loves Lego. Okay. And it's perfect for a flyweight, the Minifig. <laughs> Although some people might get confused because it's Figueredo. Anyway. Of these five guys, who's the most vul- who was the most vulnerable champion? Moreno. You think you think Moreno? I would still say Pantoja. Mm, I don't know. I watched I watched Figgy put it down on Moreno. Sure. Before we needed three extra fights of it, he improved in those three fights. But I still I still put Moreno there. I mean, Mighty Mouse top top of the list, obviously. So I think there's a lot of reasons to put him there. Um, but yeah, and, and I think really it's it's Mighty Mouse and then it's Cejudo. And then after that, we're talking about the other rise. It's it's mm-hmm. almost like there was two eras of, of yeah. flyweight champion. It's like, well, we had these era where there was like two very clearly better than the other guys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we have this next era where I think a lot of them look like they could pass the belt around on the given night. You know what I mean? That the, the skill is very close. But I just I look at Pantoja and I just see those breaks and I'm like somebody who can just punish him better in those breaks is going to beat him. And there are guys who could do that. They haven't yet. Not in the last couple fights, obviously. But I mean, Pant- it took Pantoja a while to get to this point. It's not like he's invincible by any stretch. Right. Yeah. I'm waiting for something. If if Figueredo, uh, excuse me, if Figueredo's up at 135, if Moreno, who is fighting Amir Albazi next, is my understanding, mm-hmm. whoever wins that one is supposed to be the next challenger for the belt. I, I think potentially Figueredo, or excuse me, I keep saying Figueredo. I want to say Figueredo. It keeps saying, or I keep thinking that Moreno is going to be able to, if he gets back there, I think he could win the rematch. And then we'll have, this would be, that would be the third fight, right? Between them? Uh, yes, it would. Because it was, Moreno lost the other two. Yeah. But, I mean, we had a split decision that, that second fight, obviously a great fight, potentially one of the fights of the year, realistically. So Moreno could potentially be in another uh, quadrilogy or maybe a five fight series. It might just be three. I mean, yeah, I guess it might be four. You're right. So. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. That'd be that'd be fun to have a five fight series. Yeah, even Sil- did Sylvia and uh, uh, what's your call get there? Arlovsky. Yeah, they had a fourth fight. I want to say it was in like Ryzen. Ryzen, or was it uh uh the Adrenaline or what? What's what's it called? Affliction. No, that was, no, they, they, didn't, they, they, they affliction? each fought Fedor in Affliction. Oh, uh, that that was what they did. <laughs> they were both. They were the two guys who lost to Fedor in Affliction. Okay. Um, there was an adrenaline MMA though. Yeah, maybe that's what you're thinking. Of. Um, no, there was a fourth. It was in one. Excuse me, I just looked. It was in one championship uh, mm. at a catch weight of 185 pounds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and for the record, Tim Sylvia was weight 285. Mean 285. 85. And Tim Sylvia could not hit that. That's crazy. <laughs> and it it goes down to say no contest because. Uh, Andre Lovsky delivered a kick to a grounded opponent. I believe that was a soccer kick, if I recall. Mm-hmm. And that was not that was eleven years ago. 
and he's still fighting. He's going to be on the car with Jim Miller in two weeks, three weeks. Arlovsky is, yeah. yeah. Tim Sylvia hasn't fought in a while. Yeah. It has That's been it. 10 years since Tim Sylvia fought, and thankfully, because apparently there's no weight he can hit anymore. Listen, the video, um, the video game is true. What's that? Arlovsky's just going to keep fighting. That's right, yes. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, I was playing UFC 5, the video game, in a career mode as, as Fedor, incidentally. And uh, by the end of my career, as an undefeated heavyweight champion, I had fought Andre Arlovsky like six times and, and knocked <laughs> him out like every time in the first few minutes. But son of a gun, kept getting licensed, kept fighting. He was 66 or something like that by the time I fought. It literally says he's 66 years old. I'm like, how can they allow this in the game? Can they please fix this? Somebody go in there and just say, all right, there's an age. Get him out of there and put a creative fighter in. I don't care. I don't need him to be real. Just put a creative fighter yeah, in. Yeah, jeez. It was ludicrous. I couldn't okay. believe they had it. Um, this, this game needs a lot of work. They obviously just don't care about the career mode. I don't want to get too far off, but... Um, I don't know. I didn't have any. I didn't really have any more thoughts on on the flyaway picture. Unfortunate for Brandon, Brandon Royval. I know you you've been a big Brandon Royval uh, champion <laughs> since he has uh, come onto the UFC scene, but it just looked like he just couldn't quite put it together late enough or yeah, early I mean, enough. I, I mean, he, he fought a good. He gave a good effort. He did. Myself. I mean, he was very game and and definitely did not give up or anything like that. But uh, yeah, maybe with like. Two more rounds, he wins. One day we will get seven. I finish rounds. or something like that, you know. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, one more fight I wanted to touch upon before we kind of get into our, I guess, pretty abbreviated uh, contested rounds is Patty Pimlet. Yeah, number one with him. Are you impressed with him yet? Like, I, did you come away from this victory in any way feeling different or better than about him or his his career trajectory or, or think, just one of the fighter? I think he has potential. He's okay. Good, good fighter. Uh, I still see a lot of things like his chin is like so up, you know, when he's throwing punches, someone's going to rock it eventually. So, I don't think you're wrong. And I also think if he, and <laughs> probably we're getting to that point very soon, if he's fighting five round fights, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, he did. I mean, round one, he really tried to get Tony out of there and it yeah. showed he, he was, he was, you know, zapped completely by round three. So, I mean, that's going to happen though. Yeah. The, the, the level of competition is not getting easier for him. Tony, we think, is pretty spent at this point. He still made it all three rounds yeah. through a period where um, against Gordon, he wasn't. He, you know, he he got through that pretty easily without grassing. But I mean, also he didn't have Gordon hurt. Where you know he's like, oh, time to shoot everything out now. The third round, Where'd nothing happened. Neither one of them fought with urgency. No one fought with urgency, but he still wasn't gassed. Sure, is what I'm saying. So I just haven't seen a fighter who is able to come on in that third round when needed yet. He didn't need to here. But he didn't look like he was capable of it. And in the last fight, it would have been nice if he tried to shore it up for himself because realistically, the fight was still pretty close, no matter how you score it. Yeah. And he doesn't go out there and try to do anything. I think it's going to get a lot harder for him. Oh, it's, it's going to get. It's going to get. He's got to get better. Because now, I mean, now that he's beaten Tony Ferguson, we're not going to see him fight <gasps> nobodies or or not even nobodies necessarily. But he's not going to fight guys who don't have a whole lot of name value. Well, he somebody. Made... Someone put out the idea that he maybe he could fight because he's got one. Of, I think he has like the longest, one of the longest uh, active lightweight win streaks going right now. Someone suggested, hey, why don't we put him against Benoit Saint-Denis, who has another one of the longest active lightweight win streaks going on as well. They seem like they're roughly in the same range. Uh, I don't believe Patty has a, a number next to his name. He does for the UFC. No. But Benoit Saint-Denis does. That could be a good entry point. I don't know if the UFC wants to do that, but that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know how you feel about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that fight. There, I mean, he he did make a good career decision, though, Patty, by scheduling the birth of his children around 300 so he doesn't have to fight Jim Miller. Uh, because yeah. Jim will test that chin. We sound late career power from Jim Miller would have knocked sure. him into the, the shadow realm, as they say. Obviously. Obviously. Um, but Saint, Saint Denis, yeah, I like that fight. After Saint Denis got, <laughs> was uh, versus Easy DS. After that fight where the ref, you know, just was a complete mistake. That was up at 172. That wasn't, that was after, not at 55. After that, it seems like he kind of made a good, you know, a good turnaround. I think he took, he might have so, taken that fight on short notice, if I recall, or maybe it was just not in his proper weight class, but now he is in the proper weight class. So, yeah, I like that fight. Yeah, I like it too. I think, I think it's the right thing to do. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but I think, I think you can take that fight and you can anchor like a non pay per view England card with that. Well, no, the, if we're going to England, Leon's fighting on it. Duh. I'm saying, I'm saying a non-pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, that could be that could be a fight night in London. They should put Tom Aspinall on a non-pay-per-view. <laughs> Is it the whole thing with, uh, with Harry Potter still? Are we mad? Yes. <laughs> Tom Aspinall, I'm, I was so on his side, and now I just, I can't be any far off it. Further off it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I almost feel bad for ruining him for you. It, 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 you did. You ruined him. It it is look it's his beliefs. It's he's a funny the world. He's a funny. I didn't buddy. make him say it. Does it? Do you like Alexander Volkanovsky now better knowing that he's a fan? Yeah, but okay. I never, but I never disliked uh, Volkanovsky. Not I true. Just, you thought no, he no, didn't no. want to fight often enough. No, 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 yeah, but that doesn't mean I didn't like him. Not. I wish he fought more. But now, and he, he does, does fight more now. Yeah. So he is probably the most active champion we have at this point. Yeah, I because of me, that. probably. Oh, it's definitely like he. I can tell you. With the most certainty possible, um, while also lying, that he definitely listened to that show, and he said, "Well, obviously, I've got to fight more because Dan wants me to." I'll tell you this: he threw out the first pitch at a Yankee game I was at. Oh, you were at the game he was at? I didn't know that. Yes, so that, that was I, that was the day I had lunch with him in the city and interviewed him. There may have been a conversation. Had. Okay, there, there may, may have been. been. We're just gonna leave it open. Yeah. All right, that's up to you, listener. You can decide that. Um, another thing in that fight, by the way, in the, in the patty, obviously definitely beat up Tony Ferguson throughout that fight. Um, won that fight. We saw a, a Tony that was more competitive in the round three because, Hey, he's not going to give up. Right. Right. But round one didn't go his way at all. I scored that a 10, eight as did I, as I understood it, there was a lot of conversation on media row. Um, Alan Dawson brought this to me, uh, covers the sport out in Vegas. Uh, he said they were talking about it. They were debating whether it was an eight or not. And I, I said, I, I think you'd absolutely make the argument. I saw high damage over the course of what was, I don't know how many minutes, you know, final what, two minutes or so. Yeah. Um, high damage over a duration with total dominance of that situation. Up to that point, reasonably competitive fight with not a whole lot of craziness going on. But I think that element gets you to an eight. But we didn't get any eights on this one. This is, this is a pure 10-9 across yeah. the board. And honestly, I'm very, very surprised about it. Were you, were you floored when you saw that nobody gave an eight, uh, an eight in this round? Yeah, I was like, oh wow, not not a single eight. A little mm-hmm. little shock in there. I thought the damage was pretty high. Um, I thought Tony was on his way out. Um, I did too. He made and I think through. once you get to that point, you've got to start thinking eight. He made it through, and, and I mean, I don't know. The crazy thing is too that Derek Cleary and Sal D'Amato, in particular, are. Very willing to pull the card and pull the number on the eight. They they're two of the most experienced judges we have. Junichiro Camijo, amazing judge. 
We've seen him pull eights. There's no reason he's not a, he's not willing to pull an eight. Right. So none of these three gave an eight here, and I'm I'm really surprised. I, I'm very very surprised. I think this is this is what you're supposed to do an eight on. Yeah, I mean, there's so watching some of the highlights, you know that fo- that follow up knee looks like it may not have landed. Uh. The one, you know, you know, right before Tony sends, goes to the canvas. Sure. It looks like, you know, he comes in with that flying knee from Patty, and, and it's like, did he, did he connect? I'm not really sure if he connected, if Tony maybe slipped. Who knows? Maybe he got a better idea what happened at cage side. Um, But I do think the damage was, was still high enough, because the ref was jumping. He was getting in there. He's like, hey, fight back, Tony. You got to do something. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, the, I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're obviously, we can only speculate, but yeah, yeah I, and look. It didn't end up impacting. The only thing that makes sense to me why we didn't get an eight here is it's that first round. It's not always the most likely to get a non-nine pulled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're we're going to see this as kind of a table setting round. And I guess in that sense, that's that's the only way it makes any sense to me. But I mean, shoot, why isn't this an eight? I, I see an eight here. I, I really see an eight. I'm very surprised. It didn't matter. Totally ended up not mattering. But I mean, shoot, what if what if Tony goes on and wins those final two rounds and he ends up winning the fight? I don't know that he should feel like the winner. I feel like that would ought to be a real draw there. I think that's a draw. Okay. Just didn't go that way. So, yeah. you know, ultimately it's moot. That's really what it comes down mm-hmm. to. But yeah, I'd like to see a round like that be a um, be an eight. I wonder if they would ever go over a round like that for, uh, um, you know, when they do the California calls, the officiating calls. That'd be yeah. an interesting round to, I think, go over because yeah. then we could have other judges weigh in and that kind of thing. And, and and you might be able to hear from the judges to explain, why don't we go for an eight in this case? I think that's an interesting round. Yeah. Because maybe there's something we're missing, too. That's the that's the other part of this coin. Are we missing something? We I'd like to learn that. We could always be missing something. We could. I mean, I almost missed nothing. I'm, I'm pretty amazing. But, <laughs> you know, these things happen, right? Not, we're not all. Let's get to that unanimity report. Yeah. And it's pretty clean. Like we mentioned, I know. Twenty-two out of twenty-three rounds. A messy board looks so much better than one little speck of dust. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> I disagree. I think this is this is something worth celebrating. I think we had a real good judging night. Twenty-two out of twenty-three rounds. And I slice it is fantastic. I I think the judges deserve uh, a big hand. I saw um, striking coach Sean Madden who pays a lot of attention to the judging. I see I see him pop up in my mentions a lot of times when we talk about the judging. He gave props to both the judges and the referees, the officials in general, on a good night. I think it's it's nice to see stuff like that get noted more often. And it's still very infrequent, but it's nice to see recognition for what is good officiating. I don't think we had crazy um bad officiating too either. There's certainly no adventures in officiating. I think we overall had, uh so this was really good. There's the um, which fight was it? Uh, I, I will admit I actually missed some of the earlier fights and I did not get the chance to catch up on. So if there's something early, please. Point Tone, it out. Uh, Chris Tonioni was the referee uh for one of the fights that ended in a rear naked choke. Um, oh, you, we're we're gonna do a puzzle here. This is it was the toes toes in the fence. A warning about eight times. Are we are we talking the, about Shavkat or are we talking about uh, Ulan Bekov over D- Durden? Uh, Durden and Ulan Bekov. Okay, I missed that yeah. fight. Uh, uh, technically, so, they ruled that a face crank, but yeah, I mean, the it was is... a face crank. Yeah. Okay. He smashed. Again, I have not watched yeah. that. I, I I didn't get the chance to watch it. Uh, he got Ulan Bekov had the body triangle, and he kept putting his toes in the fence. He okay. got about he got about eight warnings before he uh decided to choke off uh, the eight chin. Eight warnings. He was almost at the limit. Yeah, he was almost there. Not so. quite though. 
That I mean, that not would be the important. only thing. I mean, everyone was saying, you know, at this point, you got to take the position. How many times is he gonna, guy going to keep sticking his toes in the fence here? And uh, you know, he didn't he didn't lose the position, and Cody Durden ended up, you know, having to tap or have his face smashed. So sure. Do you think that that impact? Because again, I didn't watch this, so I'm going to ask you: Do you think that that impacted the result in that way? No, I mean, I th- toes in the fence. He, he was not getting. I mean, it, it, technically, right. it's a it's a rule break, but I mean, it, he's not sure. gaining any advantage off it because it's well, t- that's what it is. Ed. So it is it is left to the sole arbiter, right? Yeah, it, the these are just like his toes just happen to be in the fence. Like, yeah, he's not gaining any leverage on it. Um, well, that, then so. it sounds like, honestly, you know, no matter how many warnings it is, that sounds okay to me. You know, it, it's yeah. more about the spirit than the letter. Of yeah. the law, so but, uh, I, again, I haven't watched it myself. I'm yeah, perfectly clear Um, but I will check that out after we're done. But nonetheless, I, I think overall we didn't have any controversy. We didn't have anything crazy. You know, we have our, our minor complaints, and we, yeah, you know, I know you're mad that we have to do one contested round. But uh, this was the oh, highest highest un- unanimous rate of the year. Came on down to the last five point six. Wow, yeah, yeah. And this is it's not a nine eight split. We're just talking about the round winner in our one contested round. Alessandra Pantoja over Brandon Royval, unanimous nod, two 50-45s and a 49-46. I think a lot of people were surprised at those 50-45s. So let's talk about it. You already said it's the final round of the co-main event, round five. Let's talk about this round, sir. Yeah, uh, Pantoja clearly gassed. He just spent, you know, round four on the back of uh, Royval in a full body lock, pretty much. And now he, he just spent... The first half at around Royal just piecing him up. Good shots to the face. It seemed like maybe there's a chance he can get it out of here, and this would be such you know big comeback victory for him. Um, but then I would point out too that uh, Pantoja does land at one point what I thought was a pretty decent body kick. Okay, I don't recall that actually. It's it. Um, I, I had watched it back a little bit. I don't okay. want to steal your thing. Please keep going. Uh, but it just happens that Pantoja takes one of the sloppiest takedowns, like. It felt like he just fell into Royval, and it actually works. Gets on top. You know, Royval's trying to scramble. Pantoja's not really doing much. A couple shots here and there, and then he has one good burst towards the end where he lands like four hammer fists in a big scrambly position. But other than that, in my eyes, nothing Pantoja did on the ground in that final two minutes trumps what Royval did on the feet in the first half of the round. I think this is a, a slam dunk Royal round, 10-9. I think it's a Royal round. I think it should be a Royal round. But I've come off a little bit of the slam dunk idea of it from the first time I watched it. Because when I watched it live, I'm like, come on, really? How is this not a Brandon Royal round? I've come off it only to the degree that I can see the sliver of an argument the other way. And that's because I do think there there is, we're talking about a half round of Pantoja on top working his way to a better position. He gets all the way there. He's starting to mix in some strikes. It's not just little pitter-patter, especially near the very end when he does have that little burst, right? Mm-hmm. That I can see kind of being the thing that maybe a judge says, okay, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see a little bit of that. There was some decent grappling here. There was there was some some effective grappling here. I'm going to give you the round because I just put it over just by that. I can see how a judge arrives at that. I do not agree. I don't think that's how we should be judging around like that. I think what we should be doing, and the, and look, the criteria allows it. It's defensible against the criteria, and that's really all the judge needs. But I think this is kind of a fault of the criteria in that we're not clearly labeling what makes this type of grappling so effective. I don't think it's very effective grappling. I think he's he's looking for stuff. He's patient, right? He's working his jujitsu. 
Um, it's stifling. Not, that's it. Yeah, that's that's really it. A couple of strikes out there shouldn't be what puts it over. And again, I'm still speculating. I do not know what Janichiro Camillo or Ron McCarthy saw to give Pantoja this round. Um, but I can sort of see it because, again, the, the criteria has not very well-defined effective grappling, especially versus effective striking. I think here we have one guy who was a lot closer to getting its this fight to its natural conclusion than the other. I think that would be Brandon Royval. And I think, not that that's in the wording, but when I think about effective striking and grappling, I'm thinking about the the actual actions that have gotten you to the point where this fight might end because of what you did, right? That's what effective grappling and striking means to me. And I think Brandon Royval absolutely accomplished that. Am I, am I wrong to interpret yeah, that? I don't I, know what you said. I like that. I mean, Roy, honestly, I thought Pantoja was in trouble. I never I thought think- Royval was in trouble. As, 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 I, I, let, me, let me rephrase. I never thought Royval was in trouble of losing before getting to the cards in that round. Sure. I thought Pantoja was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just because, okay, he's tired. It's because, okay, he's tired, but he's also eating a bunch of punches. That's right. You know, there's some decent kicks that are being thrown by Pantoja on the feet. It's uh, especially landing to uh, Royval's leg. But Royval is not being um, thrown off of what he's trying to do there. They don't seem to be having the effect that they might be, right? He's fighting through them much better than it looks like Pantoja is fighting through the strikes that are Mm -hmm. landing on him. Yeah. I think it ultimately very much weighs in Brandon Royval's favor. I think that's who we're supposed to score it with. No matter how you can justify it, I think that's what's supposed to be done here. That Maybe that's just my philosophical look at that. So, you know, I I can see, again, I'm, I'm just in summation, I can see why Judges Camillo and McCarthy got there. It's defensible. They're, they're not wrong. But I think when we're talking about the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, they followed the letter of the law and they got there and that's fine. But I think the spirit really ought to be Royval gets this round. Yeah. So we have to side with, in this case, not Judges Camillo and McCarthy. We're looking at Eric Cologne. Judge Kami. <laughs> Judge Kami. That's right. Anyone from from South Jersey, they just they just don't call the Taylor Ham correct. <laughs> it's a big problem. It's a super big problem. <laughs> not, But you know what's not a big problem? The fact that he saw this round. For Brandon Royval. So what does that mean for Judge Cologne? Couchside override. <laughs> Gave a little extended one because it's not only the last round of the year, it's the last couchside override of the year. The last one. And I think well-earned. Absolutely. Absolutely, right? Um, that isn't the only round we're actually going to talk about, though, because we have one for the 10-7 watch. We haven't had one of these in a while. And it, I would have thought it would have been the Pimlet one. Yeah. And it wasn't. It's actually a fight that well started off the whole night, right? I'm so glad it was the first one of the fight uh, of the fight night. Get the heavyweights in and out. What what is that? John Anna called it the uh, the Joe Silva special, the uh, the opening heavyweight fight. It should always be that way. It's the one argument I can see where I say, "Hey, let's bring back Joe Silva," because oh my god, we've seen the emails that have been coming out during the lawsuit and seen the way that Joe Silva deals with people and managers and fighters, and it's almost inhumane. But in this one way, I wouldn't hate bring Joseph back. Just just bury those heavyweight fights early. If I'm tuning in a little late, I'll miss it. That's fine. Like, don't even open the gate yet when they fight. I don't know for real. Like, like if everybody's trying to get their sodas and their, you know, their drinks and take pictures with all the stuff on the concourse at best point, this would be the fight to miss. Absolutely. Um, but we're gonna talk about this because we do have a unanimous 10-8 round. 
in the first round of Shamil Gaziev's uh, round two TKO victory over Martin Boudet. Let's talk about this. The All three judges had it 10-8 for Gaziev. Adelaide Bird, Judge Cologne, Jacob Montalvo, all on the same page here as an eight. So the question we have to ask, is this a 10-7? Well, no. No. Um, it's it's all Gatsiev on the feet, blasting hard punches, knees against the fence, gets it to the ground. He's getting close to getting a stoppage. Good ground and pound. I think he has all three Ds, uh, just none of them are overwhelming. Uh, not a seven, but I think it's perfectly scored as an eight from all three judges. Yeah, I like it. I, I like it as an eight. It's for basically every reason you have. I I, I don't know if I can add it. You you summed it up well, my friend. Yeah, and Boudet offered zero in return. Just nothing. So. Nothing. He was just I was garbage. Yeah. Offense was garbage. I, th- I think I think we're looking at a very clear 10-8. That is exactly what it is and nothing more or less. That was, yeah. Well defined. Mm-hmm. And that is uh that brings us to, of course, our favorite finishes. Did you, give, did you, did you did, it was Bird, Cologne, and Montalvo? Yes, correct. Oh, you said that. Okay. I did, yeah. I, I missed it. All right. Nah, it's okay. I know. I, I was doing the show solo for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, favorite finishes of the night. We had seven of them in all. Um, a lot of it was what five straight to start the night, and then it slowed down a little bit, a little more, a little more decision heavy the rest of the way. Uh, but four, uh, four finishes by KO or TKO. Three subs. Three fights ended in the first round of all seven. My friend Dan, what was your favorite? Uh, Ariane Lipsky armbar and Casey O'Neill. Thought that was, was awesome. That was a good one. She looked she looked good everywhere. And then she's like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, take your arm. That's mine now. Mm-hmm. Some good violence. In fact, yes. You might say violence royalty. Yeah. The queen of violence, <laughs> even. That was a solid one. That was a good one. You? Uh, how do you how do you leave out Josh Emmett making Bryce Mitchell's world round <laughs> with a frightening under two minute knockout punch to the face? Like absolutely like it was it was scary. Like it actually was scary because he is just convulsing a little bit on the ground. He is very not okay. That, and for a little bit, you're, you're kind of like, am I allowed to make the joke about the flat earth? Or can I? Can we just be concerned about it for a minute? But I was like, you know what? He seems like he's okay. I'm going to pull the trigger. That was really scary. It was. It was. But obviously, he, <laughs> he's okay. Dana White mentioned uh, in the press post-right press conference, he was, you know, they took him to the hospital and he was already released by that point. Which is nice to know because my kid was in the hospital for 11 hours on Friday uh, to, to get the answer of, no, your appendix is fine, um, when we didn't think it was his appendix to begin with. Meanwhile, we got this guy who looked like he was about to die, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's having four hours. Yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan was very concerned about his legs, too. He was. He was. You know how Joe is, though? Joe picks one thing, and then he's like, he harps on it, no matter what it is. It could be it could be a medical emergency. It could be talking about steel cups. It could be the <laughs> fact that Leon is not going for the finish, or he's not looking great at the end of the fight that he's obviously going to win. No matter what it is, he picks something, and he's on it for that point, period of time. I wanted to check. I just checked them out now. I wanted to check out the stats for this fight, because I thought that was the only strike thrown in the round. Apparently, Oh, I didn't think so. Apparently, there was only one other strike thrown. Oh, really? Um, I'm, I'm one other strike landed. Sorry. Oh, landed. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. Have been that much. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking at the numbers too. We've got 13 strikes landed and are thrown in total. Emmett landed both of the ones that connected. So Mitchell uh, basically did nothing except, uh, like I said, have kind of a seizure on the ground there, which again was scary. Pretty scary. Um. Nice to see that he is okay enough to leave the hospital. And and again, I I hope he has had some sort of epiphany about the shape of our planet. We'll find out. Mm, I'm going to say probably not. 
<laughs> that is it. That is that is the end of 2023 for contested rounds for, for contested our, rounds. our not really for our show because we're gonna have, we'll have some more content for you guys. We're not doing any again contested round shows for the next four weeks. You know, there's there's going to be some MMA in there. It's you know we'll see it over in Asia. We'll see it in the regional scene. We're probably not going to be touching on it. I guess you know if somebody wants to submit something for us, I'm sure we we give it some consideration and we can talk about it on the show. But you know. We've got some things in the works, right? Yeah, got we got to do our annual judges. The judges, the questionable rounds. Questionable rounds. We're going to talk about uh, the data show. We got to do a data show at some point as well. We'll figure, we'll figure some stuff out. We'll have, we'll have some fun things planned for you over the next four weeks before we get back at it. With uh, and it's going to be a different year next year, my friend. You know, we, we've got technically Bellator still exists, but it's really just now UFC and PFL. Like those are the two entities. Yeah. So really, it's just U, uh, UFC. Um, <laughs> because PFL won't just put everything under one brand. It's got to be, you know, all these sub-brands. It is very confusing that they do that. But honestly, in, in some ways, the UFC doesn't look that far off of it because there's a very diff- big difference between pay-per-view UFC, Fight Night UFC, and then Contender Series UFC, plus Road to UFC. Well, we got... um, And the, and the, the Ultimate Fighter hasn't gone away. Yeah, Tough hasn't gone away. Well, it did, and then it came back. Unfortunately, um, we got that trial coming up. Yes, we'll that is that is obviously that. key. That 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 could potentially change the landscape of the sport. We'll we'll see how that goes. I know you're you've got your eyes on that one. A lot of people should. Yeah, pretty interested there. I'm very intrigued to see what happens. I I don't know what's actually going to change of it. We have to really see what could change. You know, is it just going to end up being damages or paid after fighters? Is it going to be that there's actual change in the sport? I don't know. Bjorn, There's a lot of reasons to to wonder what could really happen out of this, but Bjorn Rabney right. Productions and Dana White Promotions presents Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. Yes, that's we what will we only call it that name. Yeah, yeah. Is every single st- time. is that guy still? Is, we won't shorten it for a second. Is, is Bjorn Rebney still in MMA? No, he's in Mexico. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I'll be perfectly honest. I have no idea what he's doing. But he was working with the. Uh, one of the one of the fighter union organizations very briefly because they had that press conference and it was like it was GSP, it was Tim Kennedy, it was Cowboy Cerrone and a couple other guys. And then like the next like within hours, Cowboy's like, I'm sorry, Dana, I didn't mean to do that. I'm not going to do that again. And he already backed off it. It was it was the weakest thing ever. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Sport hasn't changed. We'll, we'll see if it can. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, I would take away from this, guys. Thank you very much for listening to us all year. Break down all these rounds. And uh, yeah, don't don't go away because we've got some more fun over the next couple weeks. And keep listening, Ari. All right, that does it. Like I said, thank you all. We will be back next week with, uh, like I said, something a little different. Might be the judges. We'll, we'll see what we feel like doing in the course of the week. We're leaving it open. Yeah, it'll be something. Not really something sure. Cool. Well, I guess we got to discuss that. <laughs> Take care, y'all. Thanks for listening.